going to try to do another podcast tonight. Hope that all the people that enjoy them enjoy this one. I try to keep it fairly short so that it doesn't get boring because I know nobody likes to get bored and listen to somebody and fall asleep. So we're going to try to get to the point and try to get on with it. Jonah 1 and 6, Awake, O sleeper, and call on the name of your God. If so, that be the God might think on us and spare us. That's the day we're living in today, people, whether you realize it or not. Half of you people are asleep and you don't realize what's coming on you and coming on you fast. Jesus, Master, strengthen us, O Lord, this day. Forgive us, O Lord, this day. Jonah was asleep in the, down in the ship and he said the shipmaster came to him because the storm was so heavy and the shipmaster came to him and said what meanest thou sleeper arise and call upon thy God if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not and Jonah woke up and he knew what was going on he had been running from God and hadn't been doing what God wanted him to do can't really blame him God wanted him to go to Nineveh he told him he said arise and go to Nineveh and preach unto that city that wicked city and Jonah had heard what they did to the prophets there. He didn't want no part of it. He ran. He said, no, I'm scared. I don't want to do that. It's too dangerous. God said, you're going to do it one way or another. You can do it easier. You can do it hard, but you're going to do it. So Jonah came up and he, he told him, he said, they said, who are you? He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. And he said, I know for my sake the storms come upon you. And they said, well, they tried to row the board to shore. They tried to get it to shore. They tried to, they tried hard not to, not to have to do anything drastic, but they couldn't get it to the shore. They knew they were all going to die. And Jonah kept telling them, he said, look, throw me over. He said, it's me. I'm the problem. Throw me into the sea. And they said, no, we're not murderers. We don't want to do nothing like that. And he said, throw me into the sea. It's the only way you're going to be saved. It's the only way this is going to stop. And so they cast him over. And for those of you who are always saying that Jonah couldn't have been swallowed by a whale or he couldn't have been swallowed by this or that, there's a little key thing in Jonah 1 and 17. It said God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. If God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah, then that's exactly what that fish was going to do. It wouldn't matter what fish it was. If God said it right, it's going to happen. God does what God will do. And it's not up to men to figure it out. It's up to men to be obedient and to listen to what He's done and hear what He says. Awake, O sleeper, and call upon the name of your God. That's us. Every day we need to awake and call on the name of our Lord. And every day ask Him to spare us, Lord. Spare us, Lord. Stay the hand of the destroyer. Stay the hand of the evil one. Let us have another good day. Let us see the blessing one more day, Lord. One more year. Open your heart, Lord, to us. And let us see the kindness of God our Savior for another day in our life. Each day. To rise up and call on the name of our God. And ask for His help. Lord Jesus, one more day. Trouble's coming, my friends, whether you realize it or not. Jesus said, 
Even as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the days of the Son of Man is revealed. They were buying and selling, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the Jonah went into the ark and the flood came and took them all away. So also was in the days of Sodom. Buying and selling, eating and drinking, doing as they pleased. Not thinking about God, but thinking about what they just what they wanted to do and what their lives and how they could have a little better time and a little more fun and what can we do today and how can I make it through this day? Some of us are burdened down with bills. Some of us are just looking for a little more a good time and you got one person is just barely getting through and one person is just overburdened and can't hardly get through and the next person seems like he's got everything he wants and just everything going well for him. The two roads are going to meet one day. Oh, glory. I'm reminded when Jesus talks about the beggar Lazarus and said he was laid at the rich man's gate. Now, this is not the same Lazarus that he raised from the dead. This is a parable. It's talking about the poor beggar that was laid at the rich man's gate. And it said he was laid there every day hoping for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. It didn't happen. The rich man didn't notice him. He might have threw him a couple of this, that, or the other, a couple of scraps. Said the dogs licked the poor man's sores. But eventually the poor man died and he went to be in Abraham's bosom. He went to paradise. He was comforted, cared for. It's a whole different story on the other side, my friend. You better realize that. And the rich man also died. And the Bible says, being in hell, present tense, not some futuristic thing down the road not some fable of far away but he said being in hell the rich man lift up and saw Abraham afar off with Lazarus in his bosom and said send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame now the rich man didn't have time for Lazarus during his life but he thought Lazarus should leave paradise and leave heaven and come to hell to comfort him yeah, he was a servant in his lifetime, and I guess the rich man still thought he was a servant now. But, oh, Lord God, Abraham corrected him quick. He said, no, there's a great gulf between us. You can't reach us. We can't reach you. God said it there, and it just ain't going to be passed. He said, well, then send him to my home. Send Lazarus again. Here's Lazarus. Suffered all his life, laid at the rich man's gate, can't get the time of day or a decent meal. But send Lazarus, cause him to leave paradise and cause him to go to my house and tell my seven brothers that they are, maybe they'll be saved. Abraham laughed again. He said, no, son, you remember in your time whenever you were, had your good things. Everything was well for you. But you remember Lazarus. He didn't have too much. Things weren't too good for him. And now he's comforted and you're tormented. You didn't have time for him then and I'm not going to let him have time for you now even if he would. He can't. And besides that, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't believe one that rises from the dead. And I can't help but believe that he was symbolically talking about himself rising on the third day because if you don't people try to say oh the law is nothing and Moses is nothing and all that no my friend that's not what Jesus said 
when Jesus healed the man, he told him, he said, go and offer what the gift that Moses commanded. Jesus never went against Moses. He never said anything bad about Moses. He said, I didn't come to throw away the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to bring it into a better place. We came out from under law into grace, and we think that means that we get away with things. No, that means that we have to be better than we were then. Under the law, as long as you abode by the letter of the law, it's good. But under grace and drawing close to God, he says, I want your heart now. He says, I don't want just your actions. I want your actions, but I want your actions to come from your heart. Ah, oh, glory. He said, I'll take away that fleshy outer skin of your heart, and I'll give you a heart of flesh that can feel if you'll just come to me. Jesus, Master. King of kings and Lord of lords. The circumcision of the heart is what he wants today. All the other things of the law were just symbolic, leading you up to these things. But now he's bringing you a place that you've got to be with him, that you've got to honestly feel. My friends, today he wants a closer walk than what they had with the law. He wants you to walk with him like Isaiah walked with him. He said, there'll come the day when you'll hear a voice behind you and he'll say, this is the way, walk in it. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, King of kings and Lord of lords. I always get to doing this and I get around what I'm saying and some things that people need to know. I was going down Highway 11 up here and all of a sudden I saw a dead dog laying on the side of the road and I heard a voice speak to me as audibly as if a man had been sitting beside me. It says, so shall the dead bodies of men lie in these streets. And then he took me to Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 28 through 33. It said, the Lord had a controversy with the nations. Ah, oh, Lord God, Lord God, let's see if we can't go there real quick and read it. He said, the Lord has a controversy with the nations. Now at the time this was written, my friend, they didn't know where all the one end of the earth to the other end of the earth wasn't even discovered. But here we come with Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 28 through 33. I'm not real good with being able to turn these pages. I'm getting old and my hands are getting kind of clumsy now but Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 28 and it shall be if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink then shalt thou say unto them thus saith the Lord of hosts ye shall certainly drink for lo I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name and should ye be un utterly unpunished ye shall not be unpunished for I will call a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth saith the Lord of hosts Therefore prophesy against them all these words, and say unto them, The Lord shall roar from on high and utter voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon the habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. Now at the time this was written, they didn't know about all the inhabitants of the earth. But my friend, this is the day we're living in. As we turn over, and if I can get this page to turn again, we're in church. I have to get my wife to turn the pages. I can't ever seem to do that. 
But if we turn it over here to the next one, a noise shall come even to the ends of the earth. So this wasn't talking about the captivity, my friend, that went from Jerusalem to Babylon, because it didn't go to the ends of the earth. For the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give to them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coasts of the earth. I used to, and I still do a lot of times, go around with earplugs in my ears because I'm listening to the Bible on tape eight, ten hours a day sometimes. And I was at work listening to why I'd keep one in in my ear and the other where I could hear people. But as I was playing the Bible on tape and working, all of a sudden I was by myself upstairs working. And it's like a spiritual wind blew in through the window and, and I heard a voice say, a wind blows from the east. And that's all it said. But I, I dare you to find somewhere in the Bible where any time that a w east wind blows that it doesn't bring desolation. I can't find it. If you can, I, you're better than I am at it because every place that I've checked out in the Bible, when it talks about an east wind or wind blowing from the east, it consumes, it destroys, it makes desolate. And if a wind's blowing from the east, my friend, and going along with the other where he said, so shall the dead bodies of men lie in these streets. And that was on Highway 11 right up here in Woodstock when I was on my way to work. Then I don't think that... It really doesn't matter what I think, but as best as the Lord is making me to understand that trouble's coming, my friends. And the Bible talks about it. Jesus said, so shall the days of the Son of Man be like the days of Noah and the days of Sodom when they went out of Sodom. And the fire and brimstone rained upon him. Do you understand when he returns, my friends, he's coming as the word of God this time. He's not coming back as the lamb this time. But he says he shall be riding upon a horse and he shall have crowns saying, King of kings and Lord of lords, and upon his thigh name written, the word of God. And he shall go forth conquering and to conquer. Blessed Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. We're not going to see the kind and gentle, I'm afraid. But we're going to see the word of God coming back to take vengeance for the word of God. And yet, to the just and the righteous, he is always kind and considerate. Because Paul said that when he shows his face... Second Thessalonians, as to the coming of the day of the Lord, I would not have you ignorant. That day shall not come except the rebellion first come and the man of sin be revealed, whom the Lord shall destroy with the splendor of his coming. He also goes on to say that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we that are alive and remaining shall not prevent those that sleep, but the grave shall be opened and they shall be caught up in the air and we shall be joined with the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And all this happens just like that. A moment, a twinkling of an eye. Ah, oh, glory. There's no time to repent at this time when you see Him. Jesus said, The return of the Son of Man shall be like a lightning bolt from the east to the west. My friends, we're talking world event. We're not talking something done in a corner. We're not talking about things that can be hid. We're talking about every eye shall see Him and they shall look upon Him whom they pierced. And another thing, it says the day of the Lord. The day that he returns, 
as to the day that he returns. It doesn't speak of two days. It doesn't speak of him showing up and catching us away and then taking us away and then coming back. It says, oh, this is just boom. A moment in the twinkling of an eye, the graves are open. The Lord's in the midair. We're caught up to meet with him. And then it appears that at that same time he comes down on that horse with a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And the things that are going to happen, they're going to happen right then. It says a third of the earth, I believe, in Revelations is destroyed. He sets up a kingdom in Jerusalem. The false prophet, the beast, all are cast into the lake of fire. There's a lot of things that come in between all this and a lot of stages that all this happened. This millennial reign is not the end, it's complete end time, my friend. That is the millennial reign of Christ when he first returns and sets up shop in Jerusalem and rules over the kingdoms of this world while Satan's in prison for a thousand years, whether it's a thousands of God's years or thousands of our years, I don't know. But he says a thousand years. Most likely it's probably going to be a thousand of God's years. But either way, all this time is fulfilling what is in Isaiah 9 and 6. Unto us a son is born. Unto us a son is given. A child is born. A son is given. I'm just quoting from memory here. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It says he shall rule the nations with an iron hand. Now we're starting to see the fulfilling of this prophecy. When he returns at the rapture, when we're caught up to meet him in the air, he's coming down to set up shop in Jerusalem, my friend, and he's going to rule there for a thousand years. Now that's not the time when John speaks in Revelations that I saw holy Jerusalem being let down of heaven by a bride adorned by her husband, adorned for her husband. That's coming out of the 14th chapter of John. When he said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. That's the final thing that happens. That's after Peter talking about, I saw the heavens melt and the earth, fiery heat and all this, and a new heaven and a new earth created. All these things start to come together. You see the millennial reign of Christ is setting up shop, showing the earth how things should have been. He's going to rule these nations. And then after that time has ended, then Satan's loosed out of his prison and he gathers all the nations together and they come up against the Lord and against his Christ. And then it says fire is called out of heaven and destroys them all. Then we have the final judgment. Then they're all finally cast out of our lives forever and the evil is gone and we're protected. We don't have to worry with that no more. Then John says, I saw the holy Jerusalem. That's after everything's finished and done. Nothing's going to taint that. Nothing's going to mar that, that holy city when it's let down out of heaven. It's going to be for us. It's going to be, it says, the sun and the moon will be ashamed for the Lord of God will be the Lamb of God. Of, the Lamb of God and the Lord God will be the light of the city. There will be no need of the sun or the moon for the God of light will lighten it himself. Ah, oh, glory. And the healed tree and the, the tree in the midst of the garden shall be for the healing of the nations. Be a glorious day, my friends. But that's still a time off. That's still quite a time off. We still have to see the revealing of the Antichrist. We still have to see him set up shop in Jerusalem and become that abomination that Daniel spoke of that makes desolate. Ah, oh, glory. 
King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Lord. I, I see these people, they go to other books and they, they try to tell me this and tell me that. But my friend, what I get, I get out of the book, the Word of God, the tried and true version. I don't go to these different things. I've read some of them. And I think I see why they're not in there because the majority of them just don't seem to be anointed. Not like the Word of God. Not like the originals. Not like... Now the King James was only made four or five hundred years ago as a condensation of different books. But I think there were wise men. I think they recognized the anointed scriptures and they put them all together for us. And I think it's a blessing that we have them. Because there are other scriptures. There's other books. But these men, they, they read them too. They went through them too. And they just, they saw fit to put these in here because this is enough. If you got this book, King James, or you got the New International Version of it, of these books, this is enough to get you to heaven, my friend. You don't need these other things. But going on to what we were talking about every day, when you get up, you best be praying, God, stay the hand of the destroyer another day. Stay the hand of the evil one. Let us see another blessed day, Lord. Let us see the kindness of God our Savior another day because, my friends, trouble, trouble is coming. Had Sodom had the righteous men that we have today in most of our cities, there's good men still here. Men calling on the name of the Lord, and that's why we still live. That's why these things are not fulfilled yet. Because he told Abraham, if I find ten good men there, I'll spare the city for ten good men. There's ten good men in this city. There's ten men that still don't believe in adultery, fornication, that don't believe in theft, lying, and stealing. They still call on the name of the Lord from an honest heart. They may not be perfect, but righteousness doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means God's trying to make you perfect. But perfection is only held by Christ Jesus. He's the only one that ever held that. But you better hope every day that the righteous are still here because my friend is... Evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. As the righteous become fewer and fewer in the churches, the falling away, and the King James says the falling away must first come. Churches, you still got your mega churches, but are they really preaching the truth? Some of them seem all right, but are they really telling you what God really wants you to hear? I like it better in the NIV where it says the rebellion must first come. The rebellion against God, against everything that is called God or worship, just like it says in 2 Thessalonians. And it's setting the paving the way for the Antichrist to be revealed. Jesus said, except I go away, the Comforter cannot come. So it would only make sense to me that when it says in 2 Thessalonians, he that's holding him back will hold him back until he's taken out of the way. It sounds like the Comforter is going to be called back up. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to get a drink of water here real quick. If you'll give me just a second. And I'm going to call it to a close real quick because we're running over. But, people, that's what Jesus tried to tell you. He said, you're going to be going along with your daily lives thinking everything's okay. Thinking everything's just like it always is. And tomorrow will be just like today. And then the flood came and took them all away. And then the fire and brimstone came from heaven and took them all away. Ah, oh, glory. My children, my friend, my brethren, my loved ones. Hear what I'm telling you today. You better get to know the God of Israel. You better get to know Jesus Christ. 
I've seen him, my friends, and yes, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He revealed himself to me in the middle of a church, running about 200 strong, everybody on their feet and worshiping God. It wasn't one of these lily-livered lame churches. This was old-time Pentecostal people that still knew how to call on the Lord our God. And they were on their feet worshiping God, and everything was good. And all of a sudden, I see a man clothed in white linen walking down the aisles. I've been wondering why do we worship like we do. And I saw him lifting, like he was lifting that praise up to the throne of heaven. And he was just walking along and lifting, kind of scooping his hands up toward heaven, just like he was lifting that praise up toward the throne of God. Ah, glory. And then he had something he wanted to say to me, but I won't get into that right now. But I'm going to tell you something. God's a family man. You best get along with your family. You best be praying for them. You better be trying to help them. You better not be casting them aside thinking you're the only one like Elijah saying, I'm the only one left. God corrected him real quick. God loved Elijah. The only one he came down and gathered up in a fiery chariot, him and Enoch. But I'm going to tell you something. He told him quick, I got 7,000 beside you that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. God's going to have itself a church. He's going to have some people that will serve him. There ain't no way that hell's going to prevail against the church of God because Jesus Christ said, Ah, oh, glory, I give you the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're going to close now. But you better just like you needed to get on the ark. Well, my friend, it's raining. It's starting to rain and you need to get on the ark. You need to get in the kingdom. You need to figure out what that's all about. You need to be praying and asking God to give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost getting baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And no, can't nobody teach you how to do it like they try to do in some churches. If it don't just come over you, then you ain't got it, my friend. Tie my tie, tongue tied, and all that just don't work. Mumbling a little something under your breath just don't work. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they shouldn't nobody have to tell you you got it. You ought to know it. I'm going to close, and the Lord bless you, and I love y'all, and I just want you to know something. God loves you, but God expects you to draw close to Him. And if you draw close to Him, you'll stay the hand of the destroyer. If you draw close to Him, and you pray, and you call in the name of your Lord, your God, just like in Jeremiah, He can change His mind. He can decide not to bring evil upon us. He can decide to do good to us. And it's just like he did in Nineveh when Jonah preached. Jonah said, that's why I didn't want to go. I knew you would do that. He said, I knew you were good and kind and loving and, and slow to anger and always quick to forgive. And I didn't want to go risk my life in there when, when I knew you'd probably forgive them anyway. <laughs> and that's exactly what God did because the king recognized that Jonah was a true prophet. And he recognized that Jonah was serious and that God was serious. And he called a three-day fast on the man, woman, and child, and every beast. And God saw that and he spared them. Ultimately, their destruction did come. But it didn't come that day. It didn't come 40 days later. It came quite a while later when they fell back to their old ways. My friends, call on God. God loves you. And I love you. I hope to whoever, whoever might hear this, I just hope and pray that it blesses you. And believe me when I say that I dig deep and I ask God to help me with these things. 
God bless you. And I hope it ministers to you. In Jesus' name, be blessed.